I read a tweet about a New Yorker article I, about I, you. I made a note about that, about the about her and Linda. Yeah, because Linda, Linda said, says I read, I read the, the article. article. It's so good. Like, it's so good. I read a tweet about a New Yorker article about you. We should make that the cold open. A podcast where we discuss two pieces of media that share themes, plot points, or overarching ideas. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram to keep up to date with our upload schedule, news, and discussions. Take your seat, grab your popcorn, and silence your cell phones now. Please enjoy the show. Welcome to Sounds Familiar. My name's Caleb, and I'm the butler. I buttle. My name's Stephanie, and I will not eat one iota of shit. My name's Justin, and communism was a red herring. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Some great quotes from these movies. It was kind of hard to to pick. Yeah, they they both have... Okay, I was about to say they both have pretty sharp scripts, but I have a lot of thoughts about Clue. Clue um, isn't so much a sharp so, script as it is just a, like there are some really weird, funny lines. It's a, it's a script. We'll get um, there. Oh, <laughs> yeah. If it wasn't obvious already, uh, this week we're talking about Clue and Knives Out. Point of comparison being homages to the murder mystery genre. Yes. Um, this is, uh, we're very close to the one year anniversary of Knives Out. That is true, yeah. I saw it in theaters twice. Only twice. I think it was twice. Um, I tell you, last holiday season was a great season for movies. Knives Out, Little Women, 1917. That's true. I saw some damn good movies at the end of the year last year. With a notable exception, I had a great time at the movies <laughs> that season. <laughs> oh, right. Um, the the movie that shall not be named. Until the end of this month. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Stay tuned to find out. Uh, this uh, uh, Birds of Prey and 1917 were the last three movies I saw before the world ended. Yep. I think 1917 was the last one I saw in theaters. That was in, like, February. I mean, going out with a bang there, but... Yeah, I mean, it was probably... It was... For me, it was probably also 1917 when I took you to see it, because I went and saw it with my family first. Yeah. And then I was like, Stephanie, you gotta see this freaking movie. No, I was... Yeah. I I can't start talking about 1917, because I will. (laughs) That's not what it's about, but we do need to talk about that at some point, because... Oh, boy. I, I have a lot to say. Um, anyway, so murder mysteries, uh, I have to say, uh, not a genre I'm super familiar with. Um, I haven't seen a whole lot of, uh, classic murder mystery movies. Anyone familiar with this genre, please either turn off this episode now or just like give us, (laughs) go easy on us. You will be infuriated with how little we are familiar with Exactly. Stephanie and I have not seen many of the classic murder mystery movies we i have a massive list of them that i want to watch mm-hmm. most of them are just not that easily accessible yeah. um and 
So we're probably going to say stuff like, I wonder if this thing in Knives <laughs> Out was a reference to Clue, when really it's a reference to some super famous yeah. Agatha Christie mystery. And you're going to be like tearing your hair out like, oh my god, how these fools not know about... I don't know. I know. Look, Stephanie and I only got into quote-unquote film in the last, like, two years. <laughs> There's true. a lot of classic stuff that we haven't seen yet. Oh, I've never seen a movie that came out before 1990. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it feels that way sometimes. No, even, uh, uh, even I haven't really seen too much in the genre. Uh, as a matter of fact, the three that I've seen are this clue... I'm saying this as if we're only talking about Knives Out. Are these two movies? Uh, and uh, Murder by Death, which is another send-up of the genre. <laughs> yes, I have seen Murder by Death, but not since, like, early elementary school. So is it that all the, the like, famous or classic murder mystery movies came out in, like, the first half of the century, and then everything since then is, like, an homage to the murder mystery? Like, are there any that just are murder mysteries? Uh, by and large, it seems... Yes, everything from like the seventies onward. Um, Fascinating. I think everything for, kind of uh, started leaning towards like the gritty noir style, and then mm -hmm. uh, murder mystery. So became, now, if yes. you do one that's like fun and campy, yeah, then it's like an homage. It's more I like guess. things are more like seven now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's one yeah. we should talk about. Not um, that Caleb should, but uh, you and uh, I should, mm, Justin. Uh, what is in the box? Um, <laughs> what was in the box? <laughs> we could watch Seven Psychopaths. Um, okay, that could be we'll a pair of the two. Seven and Seven Psychopaths. <laughs> um, we will be linking some, or I will be providing links to some YouTube videos discussing Knives Out and Clue and other movies of the genre that they are referencing or or necessary viewing um most of which i have not seen but you know you can still watch and learn and add those movies to your list too yeah so why don't we dive into clue 1985 oh why don't we yeah <laughs> <laughs> my experience with clue is i think this is the third time i've seen it the second time was a month ago and the first time was probably six or seven years ago because a friend of ours really liked it and was like, hey, we should watch Clue. Um, I remember really enjoying it the first time, enjoying it slightly less the second time, and enjoying it even less the third time. <laughs> That's funny. Usually when you watch movies, it's like the opposite. Like you enjoy it more with each viewing. <laughs> with Clue, it's like with every, every viewing, you're like... Okay, what the hell is happening? Well, mm. the movie is only good because of its, like, insanely over-the-top ensemble cast and the nov novelty of that, and that novelty wears off each time. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Um, Stephanie? Yeah. Or Justin? <laughs> uh, so, I... Bob. I, uh... I feel like I say this a lot uh, on these movies, and I'm starting to realize a pattern of my own behavior, but uh, uh -oh. this last rewatch was the first time I watched it sober. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I guess we don't see our patterns till they're all laid out in front of us. <laughs> uh, so, I, did, I didn't watch this movie until I was in college, and uh, it was introduced to me via a drinking game. Uh, basically, oh, really? What was that? Yeah, for our audience who may want to uh, play after this episode. 
the drinking game, there are a myriad of rule sets for, like, drinking throughout the movie um, that you can find online. Just pick whichever one you like the best. Be careful if it's the ones where it says every time the dogs bark, you take a shot, you will die. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, but basically, how we did it is... Um, and we'll talk more about this later, but there are three possible outcomes in the movie. Uh, if you're watching it on streaming, you get all three. If you have a DVD copy, which we always did, you can put the endings on random. Uh, so you fold uh, the names uh, Miss Scarlet, Miss Peacock, uh, into a hat. You have as many of those uh split evenly between how many people there are at a party so if you had eight people at a party you'd have four miss peacock four miss scarlet you draw them out of the hat you keep them folded until the movie ends uh if uh miss you get the miss scarlet ending uh and you have miss scarlet you have to take a shot shotgun a beer uh vice versa if you have the miss get the miss peacock ending and you have miss peacock if it's the one where everybody does it everyone gets punished uh so it's fun uh i also I enjoyed that uh, aspect of having a home copy. When I watched it on Amazon Prime, I was a little, uh, little sad that they just yeah, give you, all, you three. all three. Yeah. I like seeing all three. No, I'm with Stephanie. I w- okay, on my first viewing, I would like to see all three, but on subsequent viewings, I wouldn't mind doing the randomized ending. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just especially don't if I'm playing the game. I don't. Well. Okay, let me walk that back. I was going to say, I don't think any of them by themselves are satisfying enough, but I, I don't. I just don't think it's very satisfying in general, but that's just me. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like it would feel kind of incomplete if it was at least one of the first two. Uh, they actually, when it was running in theaters, uh, uh, the theaters had different reels, and they would switch them out at random, so the theatrical audiences would get, nope. you never knew what ending you were going to get. That's pretty fun. I haven't yeah. really heard of another movie doing that. I'm, it's a I'm decent sure gimmick. Has, but I like uh, it. Apparently, it didn't work very well because the movie was kind of critically panned. Wow. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that's the only reason this movie was critically panned. <laughs> <laughs> um, Stephanie. Oh yeah, my experience with Clue. Uh, my experience is that I really like the board game Clue. and also at some point i watched the movie (laughs) so i what just if you can't tell uh we have some thoughts on this movie uh not all of them are positive uh but i still think this is best case scenario for board game turned into a movie i was about to say i don't know many movies that are based on board games what about battleship Oh my god, I'm See, sure that's a classic of cinema. I've never seen it. <laughs> I've barely even heard about it. All I, I think know is they that fight Rihanna's aliens? in it. Rihanna's in it? Yes, I swear to god. Rihanna's in it. Rihanna, girl. <laughs> fire your agent. <laughs> I mean, I know that was like five years ago, but... No, they were like, hey, you want to be in a movie? I promise you no one will remember that you're in it and talk about you not being good in it because they won't remember the movie. I actually she, don't know if she's She should have been in, in like not. The Great Gatsby or something. <laughs> okay, that would have actually been really cool. I'm saying. <laughs> if she had like a cameo um, as one of the singers. Mm. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, it's... I'll, I'll try to, I'll attempt to provide a summary here. Okay. Clue, yeah. for those of you who have lived in a cave your entire lives, is a movie based off of the 
you know what? I don't know who owns the board game. I was going to say Parker Brothers just because that's who I associate with board games. Um, could be Hasbro. I don't know. No based off of the board game and also based off of Cluedo, the original version of Clue. Which, what? What a name. Cluedo. In the credits, it says Cluedo? based on the game Clue and Cluedo. How the hell is that spelled? Like It's Clue, but with a D-O at the end. <laughs> so, all of the main characters, with the exception of Wadsworth, I think, are named after characters in the game Clue. I... And it takes place in a big mansion. And uh, I... they're all being blackmailed by someone, and then people start dying, and they have to figure out who the, is the murderer. It's, it's so cartoony. I don't know why they couldn't have just let them, like, I don't know, wear the colors that their their names are associated with. They should with. have. Like, it would have made them so much more, like, distinctive and recognizable. Because if they're going to base it on the game, they try to do this hand-wavy, like, sort of... They're pseudonyms. Oh, they're, yeah. Which they're I like that. Ex- I like the code names That's thing. fine, but imagine if they just happened to be wearing those colors. That would be kind of funny. I, I would think like that. that would have worked as well. They show up wearing a color, and then Wadsworth assigns, ah, you're current. Mustard. Exactly. I'm just. I'm just saying. Um, Miss Scarlet wears blue. I right, it, and it's so it it leads to some like, I don't know, dissonance with like saying the names and you associate that picture in your mind of like the colors. I don't know. It's such a simplistic movie anyway. I I feel like they might as well have just gone a little more over the top cartoony with it and had them, you know, <laughs> all dressed in like red or yellow or something like that. <sighs> Why don't we dive into it? Yeah, let's. We'll just go through our in. notes and our thoughts. Um, I like the score. It definitely sounds of its time. Mm-hmm. Um, the dog shit joke goes on for way too long, <laughs> and that's that's literal. That's not Stephanie a didn't even notice it, but there's an entire like no, five minute spaced. bit at the the first five minutes of the movie where like Wadsworth steps in dog crap and then every character he talks to notices the smell and like checks their shoes and it just goes on and on and on the thing is before bodies start dropping this movie is is boring as hell so I honestly wasn't paying that much attention like I was just kind of like zoning in and out checking my phone like uh, and apparently I missed the, the dog shit joke, um, which is no skin off my nose, I suppose. It was subtle, Stephanie. Oh, okay. A nice subtle dog shit attention. joke. Yeah. It's uh, subtext. Yeah. <laughs> really, if you wanted if you wanted to watch this movie, just look up the scene where Tim Curry is summarizing the whole thing, which is the last like yeah. fifteen or so minutes of the movie. Honestly, you could just watch that. <laughs> um I did make note of some of my favorite lines while watching this. Um, before we, I say what some of my favorite lines are, let's discuss, um, this movie has... <laughs> so-called. So-called. Um, <laughs> um, has an okay script, manic editing, um, like, uneven editing, like, super awkward editing, and... A fantastic ensemble cast that has no chemistry with each other. Yeah, that was that was something I noted too. It's it's so odd because it's like everyone's playing a kind of like over the top cartoonish character, but like it's like they are all in their own movie and aren't really reacting to each other. Exactly. We uh, so this movie is really this movie came out in '85. Um, so it's an ensemble cast of a lot of people who uh, 
are comedy legends from that era and from the last one or two decades uh, previous. And they are all <laughs> doing characters that they are very good at playing from different types of movies. Uh, Madeline Kahn, it's... Mrs. White, feels like she's from a Mel Brooks movie. <laughs> <laughs> What's the line, Stephanie? The, the flames. The... Flames. So on on flames the side of my on, face. On the side of my face. <laughs> which, okay. Caleb doesn't While like that it, one. He what? Like rolling laughter. No, no, hold on. <laughs> I know. Out of context, by itself, hilarious. Great line. In the context of the rest of the movie, I hate it it feels like the worst kind of snl cast movie improvising that just goes on for way too long and then and then it cuts it cuts and the next line happens as if she wasn't talking at all i don't like the cut the cut's weird i i know i love it by itself but in context of the rest of the film i hate it i just i think it's funny and at, at the same time it could be kind of like weird i guess to some people like because it kind of seems not that much like the other jokes. Like, it's so, it's so just weird. Like, she's trying to describe how angry she is and has no idea how to articulate it. So she's just, like, saying this random shit. Like, I've it loved. feels relatable to me. But it doesn't feel like something that would be said in the movie. <laughs> it, okay. The jokes in this movie have a really weird timing and editing. Every yes, time there's a ho- there's a, a funny line dropped, there is an instant hard cut to something else. There's no reactions to anything in this movie. Someone says something and we immediately move on to the next line. Yeah, it's um, odd. And which is funny because a lot of times, especially in like more modern comedy, I guess, I one of the things that I don't care for is, like, there's always so much reaction time to, like, a funny thing happening. Mm -hmm. as like, you know, people reacting to it, and it just, like, dwells on it for a long time, and and I don't really like that. It's like someone gets punched in the nuts, and then we get five different shots of of different dudes going, oh! Yeah, yeah, (laughs) some shit like that, right? But this is, like, the opposite. It's, like, no one reacts. It doesn't give anything to breathe, because you gotta get these people to get their lines out. Yeah, exactly. so I have I have two thoughts off of that. Those thoughts, um, this movie f- has so much potential. Yes, I it every mm, it's not one of those movies that's just hopelessly bad. It's one of those movies that I'm like, oh, if they had done this differently, the yeah. scene could have been great. Yeah, you know, um, and it just it never feels to me like it reaches its full potential. Mm-hmm. It yeah, it feels kind of weirdly like unfinished almost. It, yeah, it feels like it also feels like it was filmed like in a weekend. Yeah, at somebody's um, house <laughs> or soundstage. Um. Okay, anyway, all of all of that to get to my first hilarious line um, was when um, oh god, Doc Brown, Christopher Lloyd, who does he play? <laughs> Professor Plum? Professor Plum mm-hmm. and Miss Scarlet are in the car, mm-hmm. and the car is stopped before they pull up the driveway, and she goes, why is the car stopped? Stopped, And he says, it's frightened. That was kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> but that was also, like, one of those lines, and the movie has a lot of these, where I can't tell if the person's joking or if they're just saying some weird shit that, like, is funny, but you have no idea why they would say it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I, why would he say that? <laughs> right? Because like, it's so, a funny line. No, exactly. That's like so many of the lines felt like, 
Um, we should make this person say something funny without any actual thought to, like, why they're saying it. Which I guess there's merit to that. No, th- there is a lot of that. That's most of the one-liners in this movie. Yes. Is why are they saying this? And no- nobody would actually say this. This doesn't feel natural. And also right. no one's reacting to it. The thing is, I think this movie could have been improved a lot if the, um... If they leaned harder into the really caricatured um, characters and, like, made more of the, the humor, like, character-based. You know what? Now that you say that, I'm you, you, you have cued a thought that I was thinking earlier. <laughs> or clued a thought. Let's clued a thought, hey. yes. Let's talk about Mr. Green, but not uh, what you expect me to talk about Mr. Green. Well, there's a he few things you could say. supposedly very clumsy. We see exactly three instances of that in the movie. He spills his drink on Miss Peacock, he spills his drink on Miss Scarlet, and he breaks a desk. Okay, I would expect a character who is habitually clumsy, like clumsy is one of his defined traits, I would expect that to result in some sort of plot-relevant moment later. But no, you know who clumsily stumbles into a secret passage? Colonel Mustard. Yeah. After Mr. Green breaks the desk, he is never clumsy again. And it's never, like, when you're in a movie like this and stuff is surprising and happens all the time, you would expect his clumsiness to cause something startling to happen. But it never does. And that's, that's I think, like, in a nutshell, like, what the problem with this movie is. Like, there's a lot of good ideas, but they never come to full fruition. It, uh, yeah. It... It's actually, it's a missed opportunity now that you bring that up, because in the, what is, I suppose, considered the canon ending, which is where he's an undercover FBI agent, him bumbling around and accidentally revealing things could have been like, oh, that was like a trick the whole time I was investigating. Yeah. Yes. Like, what was his plan? Yeah. Which, okay. While we're on the topic, <laughs> okay. I have mixed feelings about the real ending. My first thought is a positive one, in that in, okay, in two of the three endings, one person committed all of the murders, mm-hmm. which is just so unbelievable. It's, yeah, it's that, that doesn't work as well. inconceivable. Even with the secret passages, I don't buy it. In the quote-unquote true ending, each or different people committed, or each murder was committed by a different person. Yes, and I can't remember who was who. I like, I like that plot point. I think that works really well. Right. Because it's much more believable than one person doing all of them. Mm -hmm. But, and here's the caveat. Actually, I have two caveats. One, I don't like Wadsworth as the villain. I don't. (laughs) No. I don't like, no. Um... He's he's so likable the rest of the movie that it, when it turns out he's the bad guy, I'm just like I, what I I don't. I it does feel I don't kind of like incongruous. It. Like yes. there are ways that it could have been like a, oh yeah that makes sense moment, but instead it just kind of feels like what I don't know about that exactly. One. <laughs> like if you had told me literally any other person in the movie yeah. committed, I believe one person committing all of the murders more than I believe Wadsworth is like the architect of all of this. Yes, yeah. And then my second problem with the final ending is Mr. Green. Mr. Green, who is supposedly gay... Um, which doesn't come up in the story at all. It's which, just the reason no, that he's um, being blackmailed. Uh, uh, I made a note. Apparently being gay was considered a security risk in the 1980s. I mean, that could... What does that, that even like mean? That like it could have been a thing. Why, I don't know why. But... No, I understand why people would mark it as a security risk, but how do you logic your way through that? I... 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 W- 
it was a <laughs> shitty time. <laughs> okay. You might get then, too into Broadway and like shirk your duties. And, and then at the, the literally in the true ending, the last line of the entire movie is Mr. Green saying, "I'm gonna go home and make love to my wife," which like. It's the, the the whole movie ends with surprise. I was straight the whole time. I good it, fe- it feels like the inverse of the last minute gay reveal. It's right, the it's last like minute straight reveal. Don't you straights feel better that I'm not actually gay? I know. I know. It was a ruse. Right, it's like he could have been an undercover. FBI guy and been gay. Yeah. Oh, he was undercovers, all right. Um, <laughs> hey. Me being a different person and having a different personality isn't enough. I also cannot be straight. <laughs> it's, yeah, I don't. It, it just is, feels a, okay. I'm gonna chalk dated. it up to being of the time. Yeah. Yes, it's very dated. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like <laughs> the way, like when he says he's gay, I was like looking. I was like watching people's reactions. It's like most of them don't really react. They just kind of stare at him, and then like Mrs. Peacock is like, <gasps> <gasps> but she also really reacted to the socialist thing. Right. So she, that's uh, just her character. Sp- Yes, the Justin. only time it's really ever brought up again is Miss Scarlet has that unfortunate uh, aren't you people usually called fruits line. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Which, yep. uh, yes. The, yes. the treatment of uh, a homosexual character, which is not actually a homosexual character in this film, isn't great. I have definitely seen much more malicious gay jokes uh, from definitely. 80s movies, but Okay, one of the gay jokes was actually kind of funny, but only because he was the one making it. Which one? The one where, like, the French maid is like, I cannot go alone, I'm frightened. Like, will someone come visit me? And, like, like, the other guys are like, I I will. will. And then he's like, no, thank you. you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That one was actually funny, but most of them were not. (laughs) Going back an entire minute or two, Speaking of things being very of their time, mm, what this movie? the entire plot of this movie hinges around the existence of the House Un-American Activities Community <laughs> and the Red Scare. You're right. <laughs> oh, wow. Like, <laughs> Wadsworth's <laughs> wife was friends with <gasps> socialists. Socialist. <laughs> and... So, she was pegged by the House on American Activities Community, which I'm fairly certain no longer exists in name, at least. I did just read a Reddit thread this morning about a YouTuber who was visited by Homeland Security for making things that were, videos that were quote-unquote anti-American. Oh my god. But, um, the Red Scare isn't really a thing anymore, so, and the entire plot of this movie hinges around Wadsworth's wife being targeted by the HUAC. Yes. Which, anyone who is unfamiliar with the Red Scare and the HUAC would be like, what? What? Huh? So... Uh, yeah. I I guess that was a pretty big plot point. A strangely big plot point. Like, it is... It pegs this in a specific time period very, very precisely. Also, okay... We're going to talk about time here for a second. Uh, okay. We're going to get... Real what, quick, Justin? Do you have something before I go off point. on a tangent about time? Uh, yeah, uh, the movie takes place in 1954. Uh, okay, that makes sense. Does it say that in the intro sequence? Uh, I don't know. It says it on the Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, okay. There is, for our listeners, 
there is a decent chance that the opening sequence of this movie gives us a year. If it does not, I'm going to dock some points, because this movie was released in 1985, and they kept referencing J. Edgar Hoover, who died in 1972. So uh, I, I literally went down a whole Google Wikipedia rabbit hole here. J. Edgar Hoover was the director of the FBI for 48 years. Holy crap. That's like, a long time. After his death, they, you know, they instituted a term limit of, I think, 10 years. Um, because yeah, cheese and crackers, that's a long time to be the head of one of a, a massive governmental body. Um, thank you, Justin, for telling me what year this takes place, because I, I personally either did not, A, pay attention to the title sequence, which told us the year, or B, it didn't tell us, and I just went on that rant for nothing. Uh, mm-hmm. so I, I just opened the tab and scrolled through it. It doesn't appear to be on a placard, so unless it was a throwaway, throwaway line of dialogue, we, uh, I don't know where Wikipedia got it. Also, the Red Scare probably should have clued me in that it wasn't the 80s, but Reagan yeah. was the president, so I just kind of assumed that, I don't know, Cuba, people were still afraid of the commies. It made sense in my mind. I wasn't alive in the 80s. Sue me. <laughs> Anyway, now that that tangent's done, (laughs) this has been Caleb's Tangent Corner. Tune in next time. Mm -hmm. I've been kind of not leading the conversation so much as monopolizing it. Does anyone else have specific thoughts that uh, we have not touched on yet? Justin? Um, We've been talking a lot. (laughs) (laughs) No, I just. What is there? What is there to say about this movie? Um, oh, I've got more. It, <laughs> for me, I just really have very general thoughts uh, because other than enjoying the cast and watching them do their thing, uh, I really feel nothing about this movie. Right. Uh, it's it's fun on your first watch. Uh, it's fun mm-hmm. to get some friends together and do uh, that drinking game. Because uh, that's how I experienced this movie uh, most of the time, and I had a blast. It wasn't the movie, it was the alcohol. Uh, right. Yeah, exactly. But it, really, this movie is just kind of there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'd give it like a 2.5 out of 5. There are moments... I would this... give it a 3 for effort. <laughs> <laughs> There are moments where the movie uh, is really, really slow to the point that it feels almost like you're not watching a film, you're watching a filmed play. Okay, now that you say that, Justin, um, one, yes, there are some sequences that feel like a filmed play, like when they're they're trying to figure out the first murder, um, the the blocking is very much of a play. Like, someone uh, objects to something, and then they walk down camera and face Mm -hmm. away, and then they move um, the, right. the blocking is remarkably of a stage play. Yes. Um, I, I think it would be... Actually, actually, I think it would be a more entertaining stage play than movie. Like... I agree. This would... I think this would make a good stage play. Yeah. Yes. Like, I think it would be more fun. I think you could do a lot with the blocking. Um, I don't know. I feel like the energy would be better. Yeah. What you said just now about it being slow, I made a note regarding that. So during the sequence where they're sitting down for dinner... Um, there's a bunch of dialogue, a bunch of one-liners bouncing back and forth. Um, okay, I just want to say I love Miss Scarlet. 
She is amazing. Yeah. She her her Inya windows are hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I love her. Yeah. Um, I, I did really enjoy but watching But the her. dinner scene made me think, uh, I wrote, the pacing of the scenes is stop and go in a very jarring manner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because when they all sit down and Miss Peacock starts the conversation, it's just constant conversation and one-liners bouncing back and forth. And then all of a sudden we stop for Professor Plum and... Um, and, uh, um, which one? She wears black. She murdered her husband. Miss White. Miss White Miss to White. sit there and sip their soup. Like, <laughs> it's a very slow bit. Yeah. So like the the the, it's very jarring. There's no like even transitions or anything. It's yeah, just the pacing's we weird. go from super quick and fast paced and witty to we're gonna drag this out for a minute. Yeah. yeah, the film is at its strongest uh, when the actors are just like they're on top of each other. They're just like throwing out lines back and forth. They're having yeah. a great time, and then anytime anything that needs to move the plot forward happens, it drags. Yes. Um, would you guys mind if I referenced a couple more notes? <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> okay. Uh, during the dinner scene, Wadsworth says something. He quotes a specific person. I don't remember who. And Colonel Mustard goes, I prefer Kipling myself. And my thought is, thanks. Who asked? Yeah. Like, <laughs> that was kind of weird. Who it says that? Like... Who acts that way? Control yourself. <laughs> I, um, what? Like, who cares what you like to read? <laughs> okay. Let's talk about Mr. Body for a second. I... This character seems very pointless to me. Also, I hate him. Also, he's dumb. He's a red um, herring. He's, he is a red herring. Okay, like so when, when yeah, Mr. Exactly. Body shows up, he tries to make a run for it, and he's chased down by Wadsworth, and then, like, he's going to break out, but then the dogs scare him. What is the fucking point of that scene because you you want to know why it makes no sense mm. because he he brought gifts to give everyone else at the party that he had to give them as soon as they confront him he's like all right you want to know why i'm here and then he grabs his briefcase and casually and calmly and suavely gives them each a murder weapon like he's planned to be there mm. what was the fucking point in having him attempt to escape it should have been someone else who actually wanted to leave and didn't need to be there i understand the purpose of showing how all of the doors were locked and how even if they broke the glass to get out the dogs would stop them but it should have been a different character Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, that doesn't make sense that he would Hmm. oh that that was pretty much all i was gonna say that it doesn't really make sense that he would be the one trying to escape like I, yeah, I don't remember all the twists and turns, but he was kind of orchestrating at least some of it. What? He's literally only there, so the first victim is the same victim in, that exists in the board game. Like, uh, <laughs> it's the sole oh. reason for his inclusion. Yeah. Okay. I have another thought about Mr. Body. So, Mr. Green, sorry, Professor Plum, someone fires the gun and it misses Mr. Body. And it hits and breaks the vase sitting on the mantle and leaves a bullet hole in the wall. Later on, in one of the endings, it may be all three, but it could just be one of them. Wadsworth points out how the bullet actually grazed Mr. Body's ear. How is that possible if it went somewhere completely different? It's not possible. 
I don't even There's just remember. There are random lines in this movie that make no sense, and that's one of them. It says the bullet graced his ear, and he pretended to be dead. But the bullet didn't grace his ear because it went across the room and busted the vase on the mantle. <laughs> I, I honestly, the details of this movie so frequently elude me, I don't even remember. Yeah, I didn't even <laughs> notice that, and I've seen this movie like four or five times. Uh, it's yeah, just a, it's a single line, so I can totally understand how it missed editing. I'm going to move on from it. Um, the shower gag is pretty funny. When the power <laughs> has been turned off and Wadsworth like busts through a door, and he's like, oh, there's another door handle here, and he turns it, and it's a knob that turns on a shower that soaks him. Hilarious. Great gag. <laughs> 10 out of 10. <laughs> uh, let me just put this out here on record. Uh, I would watch Tim Curry make toast. <laughs> it's he he's pretty good here but he's not quite at his tim curryist yet you know what i'm saying no. yeah he's pretty tim curry he's, he's not too over the top i mean we get a little bit of the mm, no <laughs> you know the i i can't even do it correctly <laughs> oh but i love the at his curryist i love the is there anyone in here because if so just Look out! <laughs> I love it so much. I, yeah, the, he really made the parts funny, like where he's like acting out all the stuff that w that happened, yeah. like, and he's committing to it so hard, like he lies there like he's dead, and then like everyone's staring at him, and then he sits yeah, up and starts Yeah, and Mr. Talking. Green is like, oh come on, like yeah. pick, rolls him over. It's <laughs> the best part of the movie. Uh, yes. And re again, if you want to watch the movie, just go watch that clip. Also, in that scene, can we talk about how he tosses Mr. Green into that bathroom? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Sorry, I couldn't hear you. Once again, the internet's being fucking terrible. Oh. What did you say? Uh, in the scene where he's reenacting everything, when uh, it gets to the bathroom, he picks up and heaves Mr. Green in there. Like, I know the actor <laughs> just jumped, the door. but it is like, that motherfucker tossed a motherfucker. <laughs> oh, and he is screwing with Mr. Green through that entire sequence, because, like, he goes and hides in the cabinet where the where the cook was, the cook's body was put in, and Mr. Green opens the door, he's like, oh, come on, and then he falls to the <laughs> <Yeah>. floor. <laughs> and uh, when he, he starts, uh, he grabs Miss White's arm to, like, make her run up the stairs, and she isn't fast enough so he just gives up and drops her on the stage. Yeah. <laughs> this we've talked a lot of shit. This movie has some good sequences, some entertaining sequences. Yeah, yeah. But I I'm I maintain that it does not reach the heights that it could have. Yes. So ultimately really it's kind of a dissatisfying experience on repeat rewatches cuz you're just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it would make a good play. I think that needs to be, that needs to happen. I net like this movie. Uh, there's a lot that I take off points for, um, but it's just the performances are so charming. I can't like tell you it's a bad movie. Is it the best movie? Hell no. Is it a good movie? Probably not. But is it a bad <laughs> movie? Not necessarily. <laughs> anyway, join us after the break for... A movie that actually is good. A movie that uh, yeah. fucking slaps. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. Do you do do either of you two have any any notes? Any more notes you want to go over? Because I'm pretty sure I've said all of mine. Mm. No. I think I've said all I have to say about this movie. <laughs> um. I I had a note that says a lot of boob going on in this movie. A lot. A lot of boob. A lot of boob. And we love, love it. it. 
Yeah, honestly. It's... We can't lie. The, it, it takes up a lot of the screen. Yes, it does. We had like a very it, horny it director on our hands. It doesn't just take up screen time. It takes up screen space. Like... Yes. There are, there, are, there are entire minutes of this movie dedicated to focusing on cleavage and the bouncing thereof. Uh, so, speaking of the director, uh, the director of this movie, who was also the screenwriter, um, Jonathan Lynn, uh, you know him from such films as Clue, Nuns on the Run, and My Cousin Vinny, which is actually a great movie. <laughs> oh. I haven't seen that one yet, but I have heard it's good. Fascinating. Yeah, I don't. I actually had no idea who was the creative forces behind this uh, behind this movie. <laughs> Any closing thoughts? Uh, Justin, I think, already gave his. Um, but I, that's probably about it. No thoughts, head empty. <laughs> yep, that's how I feel watching this movie. When I get about two-thirds through, <laughs> right before Tim Curry starts doing his thing, I'm just like, uh... 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 I felt bad for the singing telegram girl. Yeah, she, <laughs> she was shows so happy up and to be shy. there. She loved her job. She she didn't deserve she that. She didn't deserve it. Uh, if you haven't watched the movie, check it out. It's worth it for the novelty. If you can watch it with friends and if drinking's your thing, have at it. Yes. Hell yeah. That's also my recommendation. We'll be back after this short break. Hi everyone, Justin here. Thank you so much for checking out our show. You may notice some audio issues during these early episodes as we're recording them in separate locations during quarantine. It is our intention to record in person once it's safe, but for now, we work with what we have. Please follow the recommended guidelines, wear your masks, stay safe, and enjoy the rest of the episode. Welcome back to Sounds Familiar. Uh, I'm Caleb, and we're going to be talking about Knives Out, so this segment is probably going to be a little bit longer than our segment about Clue. Yeah, seems likely. Uh, we really like Knives Out, right, Justin? Uh, if by like you mean it is one of the greatest films I have seen in the last decade, then yes, I like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it feels so unique in that... It feels like a, a non-franchise movie that really made a ripple, you know what I mean? Right, and it's interesting because... I'm pausing for a second because Apollo is slurping. I stuck my hand in front of his face to try and stop him from slurping, and guess what? He's slurping on my hand. Aww. And I don't want that butthole licking sound. He wasn't licking his butthole. That's just... It, it just sounds like he is. I don't want that sound on the track and I can't kick him out of the closet. Big so I'm just going to take boy. a second and hope he stops licking Little my hand. Oh. Okay, buddy. That's enough. That's enough. Good boy. Good boy. I think the last thing I said was because. Because, yes. It feels like this movie actually has some things to say about franchises and adaptations. Oh, really? 
Yeah. I, about I, that in particular? About adaptations. Yeah, I made I made some notes. Interesting. So we'll, uh, we'll, I'll attempt to get into that when it comes up, when it becomes relevant. It is insanely rare these days that I walk out of a movie uh, and I'm like, it, instant classic. Uh, yes. going to rewatch this till I die. Every year. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a great seasonal movie. Yep, I will rewatch this movie at least once a year. It's it's so good. Like, I... Ryan Johnson directed Last Jedi and then went on to make this and watching his... In general... I really, I really like Last Jedi, and I like what it has to say. But seeing him go from Last Jedi to this feels like, with even within a year, he grew so much as a filmmaker. See, I don't see their, them as very comparable at all. Uh, sorry, I mean that as in, like, I almost don't even... They don't even read as made by the same person to me. Uh, like, I think they're both really good. It, it's just, you know how with a lot of filmmakers, you can pick out, like, strong similarities between their works? Like, uh, those two don't feel anything alike to me, uh, which I, I'm not saying is a bad thing. Like I said, I really like them both. Uh, it's just, I don't know, it's interesting that you say that because I would not guess that they were made by the same person at all. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying yeah. I would guess that either. Uh, look, this is coming as, I'm, I'm, I'm telling on myself here and saying that this is com coming from someone who will defend The Last Jedi. Like, I I don't think it's a perfect movie. I don't like every single aspect of it. But as far as a Star Wars movie goes, like, it has the balls to have something to say. Okay? We're talking about a movie with themes. And I just feel like, personally, my perspective, I feel like Knives Out is much more a cohesive narrative. Right. It feels to me like The Last Jedi was a little more, um, uh, all over the place isn't the word I'm looking for. A just a little bit more scatterbrained. It feels to like me like Knives Out. Like the sequel trilogy in general. Yes. <laughs> it's just a little bit more scatterbrained. It feels to me like the Knives Out is much more of a pure, concentrated, yeah. focused effort, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe that has something to do with it not being a franchise film, with it not being... Um, him not being handed down things that can or cannot be done by dozens of other people above him in the studio mm -hmm. system, you know? It just feels like this is... TOJ was fairly confident in Knives Out was just him saying, like, boom, I'm a filmmaker now. That's all I'm trying to say. I'm not... It, 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 I, I personally felt a growth. Yes. Um, so... Rian Johnson, uh... Is, I... it Ryan? is it Ryan? I think it's Ryan. Who knows? I is actually Ryan? don't know. I've, I've always said Ryan. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry. Mr. Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Johnson was my father. <laughs> I, so, I, uh, Mr. Johnson. <laughs> I didn't see I didn't see Brick or the Brothers Bloom, but um, I saw Looper and had a great time. Uh, I still I... need to see that. I think The Last Jedi, I'm officially putting this on mic, I think Last Jedi is the best of the sequel trilogy. Uh, That's not direct... that hot of a take, unless you're a weirdo, but yes. <laughs> uh, and he the directed... hotter take is whether it's one of the best Star Wars movies. <laughs> Justin? Uh, and he directed three <laughs> of my favorite Breaking Bad episodes, which if you don't, I know you guys haven't really 
watch Breaking Bad, but I'm just saying that for anyone in our audience who has. If you don't like the episode Fly, you are a boring person, <laughs> and get out of my face. <laughs> I need to at least watch the episodes that he directed, because I've heard they're really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this movie, like, as much as I've enjoyed uh, his other work, this movie... It was like he got tired of the bullshit that happened to him after The Last Jedi. No kidding. Uh, and he just went balls to the wall with his directing style, his commitment to aesthetics. Yeah. This, it, it, I adore this movie. This movie feels like everyone there was just all in and giving their absolute best on it. You know? Yeah, you're mm-hmm. right. Like the 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 stuff that I have heard about just like the the cinematographers and the lighting people and the fact that like the the they came up with way like ways to um the the cinematographer came up with his own methods of making digital film or uh, digital recording look like film and like creating special lighting rigs to set outside the windows so that it looked like the the crazy. windows were reflecting on people's eyes and their glasses like. Everyone was on their A-game here. Yeah. Yeah, there is an an energy to the movie, like, into yes. the cast that is really crackling. Like, it it feels like everyone is, like you said, is really giving it their best and wants to be there. Yeah, everyone on the production team is giving their all, and every single one of the actors is having a fantastic time. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about uh, the ensemble cast and Clue and how, like, great they were. This cast this is also just elevates bringing it. it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, it it feels like everyone is genuinely having a fun time. Like, I, I don't really know how to... And part of that is just the kind of movie that it is. It has an energy that doesn't really stop. Um, but also, yeah, it just... <laughs> it feels like everyone is really enjoying their, their kind of hammy characters. Right. If, mm-hmm. in, if the, the only person who I would say maybe doesn't feel like they're, they can ham it up is, is Ana de Armas. But that's also because she has Her to provide... Her character isn't hammy. Right. So. She's not hammy at she's all. She's the straight man, sort she, of. Yeah, yeah, she, she is a straight man, and she has to provide so much complexity and nuance and this yeah. like super and this fairly simple character you know right well she's she's part of the big reason this movie works right is she oh, is absolutely. such a good ground for everybody that's and exactly that's, it uh and she's a good ground despite her character having one of the funniest traits of a character yeah. in a movie and oh, that lying makes I her will, vomit i will yeah. get into that yes i want to be clear that what I'm saying is in no way attempting to shit on Mr. No, Armas no. because her her performance and her character are necessary to the story. Like like Justin said, her grounding is necessary. And she, you know, it's even though she is kind of playing the straight man to these really kooky people, she does have a couple of moments where like you see different sides of her. Like you know, there's that <laughs> the scene that you know becomes tragic very quickly with her and Harlan Thrombey but it's just really cute at first because like you've seen her be so reserved up until that point and very deferential and right. then she's being like so sassy to him and like she gets um, to actually like talk to him like they're right, friends because she doesn't have that with the rest friends. of the family yeah Man, so then, many of her I'm sorry go ahead Stephanie oh no sorry once again the internet was being shitty I couldn't hear what you were saying um 
the the scene where like the car chase with Ransom and she is just like I have so much adrenaline it's like I swallowed a bunch of bees I was like girl what <laughs> but it's just it's funny because she's like it feels very true to me is like when you're someone who is like kind of shy and is reserved around most people and then you're but it, when you're in situations where you don't have to be like that or where you're too overwhelmed to be like that you just start word vomiting yeah like, it, it felt uh, very real what does her <laughs> Uh, just what she brings to the table while still s- staying so true to uh, the grounded nature of her character. Um, when she starts tearing up in that scene uh, uh, that you were talking about, um, so powerful when she's like trying to hold it in while uh, What's-Her-Face comes to talk to him. Joey. So it's powerful. really distressing. Yeah. And then... When uh, when Michael Shannon's character confronts her in the hallway oh, of her family's scene. apartment, which is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I know. Uh, her realizing that she actually holds all the cards there. Yes. And is, like, yep. struggling with being a badass, but still just yeah. commits to it. Oh, I just... And she has to assert that multiple wonderful. times. Okay, look, we need to stop here for a second. <laughs> Yeah. And we need to start from the top. Yeah. We have a formula to follow. <laughs> formula, guys. Formula. The formula's the secret. <laughs> um, okay. My experience with this movie. <laughs> I saw it in theaters, like, the day after it came out. When did it come out? Like, Thanksgiving weekend? Yeah. Stephanie and I then. went to the movies and we saw it, and then we saw it again at least one more time in yeah. theaters. And I don't know. I like it is a good movie <laughs> it's probably the most recent movie release that we've talked about so far yeah you're right because it's literally only a year old as of like a week ago of this recording yeah it does feel kind of instant classic in a way and especially like like we were saying because of like um so many movies now or so many i don't know how to put it like obviously you have like some indie films that are like oscar bait or horror movies but like this feels like an almost family movie. Like, I don't want to call it quite that because, you know, there's a person slitting their own throat. And, and they you get know, two F-bombs. I know, and there's some language. But you, you know what I mean. It feels pretty widely accessible, I guess is what I would say. Yes. That is not a franchise movie. It's just a complete standalone. You know, that is a little remarkable. It's rated PG-13, but they get two F-bombs. I thought PG-13's only got one. Mm. Times are changing. I don't remember. What was it, Justin? Oh, I, I just said, times are a-changing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, no, uh, Stephanie, you're absolutely right. Uh, this movie... Uh, yeah, Justin, what's your okay. experience? <laughs> uh, well, uh, I'll get into my in- experience in a second. Yeah, just, what were you saying? I just want to uh, piggyback off what Stephanie was saying. Um, people... Uh, say all the time now, like, oh, everything's a reboot, everything's a remake, everything's part of a franchise. They just don't make movies like they used to. Uh, this is definitely a... If people get the confidence to make creative uh, film decisions again, if studios have the balls to let original ideas come back (laughs) to the big screen... Uh, this movie was definitely a refresh yes. of that. This uh, feels and... like a response to they don't make movies like they used to, as in like, <laughs> alright, fuck you, we'll make movies like they used to. Yeah. <laughs> and it's fucking, it's it's beautiful. It's uh, so to my good. experience with the movie, 
I I saw it in theaters late in its run. Unfortunately, I just didn't have the time when it was uh, brand new. Um, as a matter, like I saw it this year in theaters. Um, mm-hmm. And this was my first rewatch of it, and I'm so fired up about it because it's only the second time I've seen this movie, and oh. it's oh. an all time classic in my opinion. This is my fourth or fifth time seeing it. I'm not sure which. Um, Stephanie, I really like it. 2019 was the year the Steph- that I personally was like, I'm going to go see a bunch of movies. Stephanie, poor Stephanie, doesn't, her, her anxiety doesn't always allow her to go see every new movie with me. I, um, I have a weird thing. It, it's weird because I'm a film person, but I'm like, I have this weird thing where it can be difficult for me to watch movies with other people if if I haven't seen them before or mm. if they haven't seen them mm. before because I get so mm. caught up worrying about the other person's experience and whether or not they like it uh, that I can't really focus. And so because of this, <laughs> I went to see Hustlers by myself <laughs> and I was the only male in the entire theater. Uh, <laughs> so there were families, uh, there, there were groups of uh, women and mothers and daughters oh, and granddaughters and I was just sitting there like, I swear to God, I'm not just here to see the strippers. Um... <laughs> Anyway, I, I still want to Stephanie see that. Stephanie still went to go see Knives Out with me. Yes, um, I did. For my man's Ryan Johnson, <laughs> I would do it. Yes. Um, okay. If I had more to add on to that thought, I've lost it. Okay. Is, are we are we good to move on from here? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Knives Out is a 2019 murder mystery film. I'm going to say film, not movie. Film. Film. That clearly cares a lot about the genre. It's clearly an homage, not a send-up. Mm-hmm. Because in my opinion, and it may be part of the definition, I don't know, an homage has to at least care about the source material. It's not just poking fun at it. It doesn't it has feel to be anywhere inspired near like a parody. By... It feels very, very loving. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And the murder mystery has not been super popular in the last 20 or 30 well, years, you know? Even the detective narrative or, like, the noir hasn't really been much of a thing. Right. The only examples of popularity and success from those movies is, what, the two Sherlock Holmes films and the girl with the dragon tattoo? Sure, I guess. I mean, yeah, I'm uh, assuming the girl with the dragon tattoo is about a detective. I haven't seen more it. Or less. Also has Daniel Craig. What yes, were you saying, Justin? <laughs> and if they do, if they do whodunits or detective narratives, like I said, uh, it's very, very grimdark. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. Uh, I mentioned Seven earlier in the episode. That's, uh, in my fun. opinion, a really good movie. Yeah. Um, True Detective, at least seasons one and three, are oh, I need fantastic. See I've seen the first uh, season, really liked it. I heard the second season wasn't that good, so I haven't watched it yet. I also haven't seen the third season, so <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> that doesn't matter. I like the uh, first season a lot. <laughs> Seasons one and three are great, uh, one being the best of it. But anyway, uh, yeah. so the the fun, um, campy, uh, just energetic whodunit yes. uh, hasn't sure. been seen in a long, long time. Yeah, I think, th- I don't recall what studio backed this, but... Good on them. Yeah. It was a bold decision. This is a bold movie. The yes. Whodunit is it, not yeah. in vogue, you know? Uh, but then, like, opening weekend, it did so well that they were like, we've greenlit Knives Out 2, yeah. which 
Anya, mate. I look forward to seeing more <laughs> Benoit Blanc. I know. Oh my god, I love Daniel Craig in this movie. I, like, I, oh, I have so much to say about insane. it. Insane. <laughs> I love him so. Coming much. off James Bond, which in my <laughs> opinion know. he is one of the best. Which don't take my word as read. There, I am not a Bond guy. I've, I've seen never seen Bond a full I, Bond movie, I much less either. a Daniel Craig one. I've seen Daniel Craig's of them. Uh, Daniel Craig's are really good, uh, but him coming that, off that because I, from what I've seen of the newer Bond movies, it seems like they actually tried to like explore him as a character more and have someone who's actually a good actor like Daniel Craig like play him. <laughs> no, no offense to prior Bonds, I'm sure some of them were good actors. Um. R.I.P. the late great Sean Connery. <laughs> well, he wasn't the most nuanced actor. Let's put it that not. way. Look, the only sh- the only James Bond I've seen is the last thirty minutes of Thunderball. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that was a James Bond movie. Justin is laughing right <laughs> now. He's got his hand covering his mouth, trying to hold it in. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, you were about to say yeah, about James Bond. Uh, no, I was just seeing him uh, come off of a like very serious and cool character yeah. as James Bond into this like uh, <laughs> southern. Uh, Space chicken lawyer from Futurama, <laughs> detective character. No, no, I'll say, I'll say. <laughs> no, I love him so much. Like he's, like uh. it, it feels like a character who is like, I such a fun detective character because it's like he's not cool, but he like he's so uncool that he like is cool. Right. No, th- this this oh, character him. seems to me to Daniel Craig. Like Thor in Thor Ragnarok is to <laughs> what's his name? Who plays Thor? Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> As in, yeah. like they were kind of bored. They were starting to lose their interest. It was super serious. Blah blah blah. And then they got to play the super fun character, and they were like, "Oh yes. yeah, you know acting. that Daniel Craig had to be so happy to play this character after playing oh, James he Bond absolutely for years." Was. <laughs> And he's clearly having an incredible time. Exactly, like, he is chewing fantastic fun. Exactly. every line. <laughs> chewing him and him uh. and Chris Evans and I don't remember the actor who played Richard. I'm gonna look it up. Uh, oh, real Don quick. Johnson. Don I, Johnson. Apparently, he's someone that's pretty well known, even though I don't know him from anything else. They all had fantastic times just yes, chewing no, up the scenery. Absolutely. No, every that's once again everyone in the cast is like just giving it like they're just going all except in. Anna de Armas poor her she has to actually play the quote-unquote normal but person she, yeah but she does and her and no her. I bet she had a great time on the cast but right. she definitely doesn't like get to chew the scenery like no, everyone else no but it, but she does play really well off the other characters like her and um Daniel Craig like I just love their little dynamic that they have going on and I <laughs> and like how he's like surprisingly nice to her like at every turn yes. I don't know, it's kind of sweet he's like, he is like if if you took sherlock and made him and like gave him the ability to feel empathy <laughs> for other people yeah <laughs> yeah exactly uh i would be ashamed of myself if i didn't mention uh the great jamie lee curtis and yep. uh the great michael shannon yep absolutely uh, michael shannon killing uh, J- it uh, Jamie Lee Curtis being uh, just someone that anytime she's in anything, I'm always like, she's one of those people that I'm always happy to see. Uh, 
Love her. And Michael Shannon is in my opinion, one of the most underrated actors working right now. He I is so good. Every time man. he's on screen, he like, is. every time I'm like, oh, I kind of forgot about him, but he's really good I will good find in him! <laughs> <laughs> Best part of that movie. <laughs> he is really good in everything. We should, we should probably just move on to our notes, because we're probably uh, going to cover everything we yeah. need to cover. Can I, can, I give, can I give a brief Please. aside? Because I don't know when Please in this give an aside. podcast... I'm gonna I'm gonna get to talk about Michael Shannon like uh, this. Do no, it. Go uh, for it. Go for it. I I I saw a Reddit thread uh, where it's talking about celebrity interactions, and um, apparently there was a redditor who saw somewhere online uh, uh, that Michael San- Shannon was praising this very specific weird jazz album. I can't remember what it was. I'm sure you can find the Reddit thread if you really want to know. Um, but the Redditor said he listened to it, wasn't really feeling it. So when he met Michael Shannon, he brought that up to him and said he didn't like it. And Michael Shannon was like, hold on, hold on. When did you listen to it? The guy was like, during the day. He's like, no, 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 no. You got to <laughs> listen to this album late, later than you think you should. And only then. Will it make sense? And he's like, and I did, and it's one of my favorite albums of all time. <laughs> I can, like, I can picture Michael Shannon saying that. Like, he always you just has hear him like, go, no, 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 yeah, no, 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 no. He always has this like half crazed look in his eyes where exactly. you can tell he feels really intensely about things. I don't know. It's it makes him very fascinating to watch on screen. Like, <laughs> I really liked him in this. Like, he had the weirdest, most unsettling energy. Like, he's harder to pin down than some of the other characters. Exactly. No, w- no Michael Shannon feels to me like like Willem Dafoe's understudy, <laughs> just at yeah. all times. Yes. <laughs> I uh, I love I I don't remember exactly what's happening in the scene, but it's supposed to be like a fairly serious moment with uh uh oh my god Meg and Marta. Yeah. And he's talking to both of them, and just like he stops his thought and just goes, like, "Are you, Are you smoking, smoking grass?" grass? <laughs> <laughs> Continues his thought. <laughs> I know it's he's such like he's like weirdly like he out of touch. Like he says, like you know, kids these days, like yeah, kids the internet, with the internet. Like, <laughs> yep. Yeah. Okay. But I don't know. We're it's, moving it's into funny. notes territory yes, here. You're right, Justin, you're right. was that the end of your thought about Michael Shannon? Yeah. yeah go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Um. <laughs> Okay, my first thought that doesn't have to do anything with the comparison between these two is that the set design is amazing. Yes. Oh, this this there movie are, is house porn. Like, seriously. There are <laughs> eyes everywhere in okay, this house. Too. Yeah. Okay, you're right. There are all those, like, rapid cut shots of, like, all the different creepy puppets. And, there are like, so many figures are and no statues reason. and puppets and paintings with faces. Yeah, and, like, it gives you that sense of, like, that... There's that, always something watching. Right, right, the panopticon, like... Oh, yes. <laughs> you don't know if you're being seen or not, but but it feels like there is always, like, observation. One, Stephanie. <laughs> panopticon. <laughs> Thank you. That's a fun word to say, right? Right, um... <laughs> right, and it's kind of... And it's... I think that is most embodied in the portrait of Harlan Thrombey. Um yes. That is... You know, um, he's always watching, right? Old, and watching. his portrait faces the room where they have most of their family exactly. meetings. Which, yep. fun note, um, the paintings 
for Harlan's army, there are two of them, the one where he is stone-faced and the one where he's smiling, mm-hmm. were not finished until filming was almost completed. So there's actually a green screen there. Like, there's a piece of green fabric in that frame. Wow, and they just shopped it in. And then they just in. shopped That's it funny. in. Yeah, it's like, it, it's like the portrait is always watching. It's like... Mm-hmm. Like it says, the great, the great Gatsby, like the the eyes of Doctor T. J. Eckelberg, yes. watching everything like the eyes of God. Like that's how it feels for, for the movie. Um, it, because he casts this really long shadow, and of course, there's the meta aspect of him being a murder mystery writer. So it's like you know he oh, created yes. the mystery as his last act. Okay, uh, I wrote what? Wh- when did I write this? I don't know. It was fairly <laughs> far down on my notes. But the the fact that this movie is centered around a gentleman sleuth solving the death of a murder mystery writer. Yep. It's like if we made a movie about... Um, movies about the... making movies about movies making, making movies. movies. <laughs> Damn, Charlie Kaufman. Um, um, who, was the, who was the detective in, in uh, Murder on the Orange Express? Oh... Poirot. Yeah, it's like if you made a movie about Detective Poirot having to solve the murder of Agatha Christie. (laughs) So, uh, that's something I wanted to, uh, wanted to bring up. Um, the movie is so beautiful. Everything ties in together so well that, uh, at the beginning of the film, uh, when all of the family members are being, uh, questioned, Walt says i believe it's walt says that the ideas uh just uh come to him him fully formed fully formed uh and he just writes them down so the fact that harlan is told you have 10 minutes before you die and he has this whole elaborate plot yes oh my god you're right that was that was one that was another note i made was that um oh my god what was it? Where did I write it down? Ah. Uh, <laughs> um. It's okay. I'm writing down another note as we speak because I just oh, had a thought. I wrote, he figured out the attempted method of his, or he figured out the method of his own attempted murder while he thought he was dying. As soon as Marta told him that you're going to die from this, he started, he was like, you know what? That's a really good idea for a murder, and just went from there. The wheels were already turning. Yep. It's it's amazing. So mm-hmm. that's a good 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 point. Good note, Justin. Yep. No thanks. <laughs> like I wish I would hope that my brain would function that well when I knew I was gonna die in ten minutes. <laughs> uh. What? That whole that whole scene is beautiful because like right before all of that happens, he's talking about how he doesn't fear death. Yes. Uh, yep. Yep. Oh my! Uh, I, I can't say enough good things about this movie. Someone bring up another point. <laughs> okay. <I> just like... <laughs> All right. Next point. I said amazing set design. Um. Next point. Let's talk about Richard for a second. Richard <laughs> is Linda's husband. Linda is Harlan Thrombey's daughter. You know what? I didn't give a plot synopsis for this movie. All right. <laughs> okay. Harlan Thrombey is an author of murder mystery novels. Yes. He is found dead. Mm-hmm. His family want you know his house, the rights to his novels, his publishing company, etc., etc. Right, he's pretty rich. And his, uh, he has a nurse, a, a full-time personal nurse, um, who takes care of him. And someone has hired a famous private detective to come investigate his death. 
Um, and, you know, from the, everyone is a suspect. Everyone in the family has a potential motive. And uh, anything else we should add? I don't know. Are we going into spoilers or no? We're going to talk about them eventually. That's the premise. Yes, the premise is That's the that premise. A murder mystery suicide. writer dies and his entire yeah. family has motive. Right. And, and they all want the inheritance. They all want his inheritance. Which is in yes. Excellent. Okay. So, he has a daughter, Linda, played by Jamie Lee Curtis, who has married uh, Richard Drysdale. Okay. And Richard is obviously some sort of conservative. He There's a scene where he's talking a bunch of fucking conservative anti-immigrant talking points. See? And my first oh, note... No. Hold on a second. Go ahead, go ahead. My first note <laughs> is that we're talking about Walt, Walt played by Michael Shannon, who is another one of Harlan Thrombey's children. Um, his son is a 16-year-old, quote, alt-right troll. Woof. And Richard says the child is literally a Nazi. Now we have this setup. My note about this is that nobody who is as far right as Richard is would actually call someone who is, like, following Nazi beliefs a Nazi. Okay, but I'm going to push back on that. I, I agree with what you're saying, but I don't think he's as far right as you're saying he is. I think he's not the kind of far right person that we're used to seeing around here. He's like a rich asshole who like doesn't really buy into it that much, but he just kind of like is going along with it because he has money he wants to protect and he doesn't care about other people. Yeah, but well, it, I did, he does not. Justin? He doesn't strike me as a trumper to Justin? me. He strikes me as no. He a defends Republican. him. Yeah, he literally he says does, he's, he's an says, asshole, and maybe an asshole is what we need. Right, but that's the thing. He's he is not as far into the cult as a lot of people around here are. So I think he can recognize that the kid's a Nazi. He just doesn't really care. Justin, that much. what do you think? Oh, uh, well, that's uh, so. Another thing besides this movie being. Uh, 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 perfect in every other way. It also has a lot to say being a movie that came out in year three of the Trump era in American history. Yes. Um, and uh, I think Richard represents the uh, wealthy Fox News watching uh, person who does not see the oppression. They're all about quote unquote protecting the soul of america they're not necessarily uh actively fascist but they are someone who passively enables yeah fascism yes okay i'm gonna provide stephanie i have a counterpoint okay go for it <laughs> in my personal view anyone who lies to the right of american middle american centrism which for all intents and purposes is far to the right of anywhere else in the world. American centrism is right wing anywhere else. Um, but Caleb, there's so anyone who lies on that side of the dial would start to say, "Whoa, hey now, let's not get crazy." The moment you start throwing out titles, as soon as you say Nazi or racist or fascist yeah. they go whoa hey now, hey now let's not go drawing comparisons i agree like okay i think the line should have gone to someone else i don't think it should have gone to him but also to me he doesn't seem like someone who's really drunk the trump 
Kool-Aid. He seems like someone who's just enough of a sociopathic asshole that he doesn't <laughs> care. Like, it, it, he doesn't seem so much like he genuinely thinks that, like, the alt-right is not a thing. It's more that he just, like, is so interested in protecting his own interests that he doesn't really well, give a shit if they're in power. See, in oh. my opinion, anyone who is to the right does not even concede the existence <laughs> of a quote-unquote alt-right. I don't know. I don't but know. that's not the point of the movie. What I just wanted so, to bring that up. Yes, Justin. So let's move on. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. If you want, uh, if you want comedy and uh, leftist rants, please follow all of us on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, I have Caleb. Uh, if... Real, real quick note about uh, Richard. You said yes, he looks familiar, but you can't uh, figure out where he's from. Don Johnson played Detective James Crockett uh, in Miami Vice in the 80s. He was the lead. I've never Miami. seen Miami Vice, seen so I don't think I said oh. that, but I will take that note and move on with it. Or uh, it. You're welcome, and my back hurts. Thank you. <laughs> uh, for the record, uh, Justin is only three years older than us, but he likes to act like he's ten years older than yeah. us. Spiritually. Um, because my older. interests often lean ten years old. <laughs> <laughs> Justin likes Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I don't give a shit. <laughs> okay. Oh, Justin, oh no, my... we heard his feelings. <laughs> we heard Justin's Grandpa, feelings. Grandpa, no. Oh no, he took his headset off. <laughs> no. He's going to walk away. Uh, <laughs> sorry do you to, have a favorite ninja turtle sorry to all our ninja turtle fans out there my michelangelo opinion, <laughs> my opinion of the franchise extends to the fact that one time i got to play the arcade game with three of my friends at a Chuck E. cheese and that was and you had a great time I, and it's perfect I, I, moving I on time that was okay moving on um my next note this movie has great names mm, benoit yeah. blanc yeah, um, what a name. Hugh so Ransom French. Drysdale. Amazing. That's a mouthful. These the names in this movie are just fantastic. It's funny. Harlan Thromby. I know. It, it rolls so off the good. tongue. It's amazing. Like, it's funny that they make that note, and it's a recurring thing about him making the help call him Hugh, but going by Ransom. Why would you want anyone to call you Hugh? Like, <laughs> anyone at all. Who would want to be called Hugh? That's terrible. I mean, Ransom's not that great, but at least it sounds kind of cool. That's all I had about that. I don't really... Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Um, Benoit Blanc is great. I like how it strongly implies that he's French, but he's yes. also a Southern. No, American. I love that misdirect there. That the, 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 they just refer to him as Mister as Mister Blanc until he speaks, and then he has that deep Kentucky Southern accent. It's, so great. it's a great misdirect because CSI look, they, KFC. Yes, yeah. they call him um, <laughs> Mister Blanc. Yeah. For for several minutes, an extended amount of time before he finally speaks. So he's built up in the audience's mind. He feels like he's going to be this Poirot-type character. Yeah. And then he speaks, <laughs> and it's, oh, oh foghorn, leghorn. Uh, I, say, I, say. I love it. <laughs> right, it's like, how did he end up here in New England? Like Right. Well, uh, his father and... Uh, Right. Harlan Thrombey were his... friends. Oh, you're right. There, he did um, have a little backstory. We got to dig into the the knives out lore. Here. <laughs> um, Stephanie and I were discussing previously, probably before you guys heard anything. Um, when they're interviewing the family again, Joni says that she read a tweet about an article about <laughs> Benoit Blanc, and then a minute later, when they're interviewing Linda and they introduce Benoit Blanc again. Because they do it three, they introduce him three separate times. 
Uh, Linda says, I read the article about yeah, you. Yeah, she actually read the article. So, and it's just funny hearing those two. And then, so Joni read the tweet about the article. Linda read the article. And then Linda's husband, Richard, just goes, who the fuck is that? Yeah. Which is one of our two <laughs> F-bombs in the movie. And it's great. Right. And it also is like Joni is an interesting character because not only does her name rhyme with the name of the actress, but also she she feels very out of place in the family. Like, I don't know. She feels very new money kind of. Oh, and she like, clearly is out of place in the family. Because yeah. like she talks about fitting in and then like she's yeah. dancing by herself and trying I to pull the others that in. That part and, like, was one of the only her. parts where I really felt bad for her because I was like, wow, I relate to that. Like she was like, oh, <laughs> yes, they've just like embraced me so much or however she said and then it like hard cuts to her dancing at the party and trying to get Linda to dance with her Linda's just just not even acknowledging her her existence like it hurts it's so sad like she's very like I'm like new agey and I just made all my money versus the other ones who are just like we're rich and we've been rich she's an influencer Stephanie yeah she's she's an influencer (laughs) um okay uh, kind of getting into what I hinted at earlier, um, Harlan does not allow adaptations of his works. Mm. And this movie is Meta-meta. an original screenplay. Mm. So I'm just wondering if this is kind of a jab or a reference to endless adaptations of like murder mysteries. Like before Knives Out came like. out a year or two or three, I don't remember when it came out, before we got a a half-assed, lame adaptation of Murder on the Orient Express featuring an Imagine Dragons song in the trailer that every other movie that year had in its trailer. Um, So I'm just wondering if that's sort of a jab at just the, instead of creating new murder mysteries, we're just endlessly adapting the ones that used to be famous or well-known. It's it's hard not to take that as a uh, as a jab towards not only uh, murder mysteries but just uh, filmmaking in general. After he just came off of Star Wars, yeah, I I think that line is meant like yes, especially the murder mystery genre is treated as very like uh, uh, let's just let's use Clue for an example. Let's just get some well known actors, throw them in a half baked script, and let them have a field day. I'm waiting for uh, them to do something like that with some SNL people. Just remake Clue <laughs> with fucking Melissa McCarthy and James Corden, and just like, dear God, throw them in there. Uh, 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 the Clue them. remake has already been greenlit. Uh... <laughs> oh, is it really? Yeah. Oh well, yeah. of fucking course uh, it is. Yeah, I. I don't know who's in it or who's out. attached to it. I just, I know it's happening. Um, but I want to die. It, it's. <laughs> it seems like a very deliberate jab at a uh, franchisism. Yeah. In general. That's a good point. You know what? On a little bit more positive note, mm. let's talk recasting for Clue. I think John Mulaney would make a great Wadsworth. <laughs> All right, that's interesting. He's less British, that's for sure, but uh, he could have the similar uh, manic energy, probably. Yes, manic energy, that's what we're looking for. <laughs> 10 out of 10, I agree. Yes. I don't know, I don't know that many comedy actors working that I, like, have positive opinions of. That sounded mean. I meant more like, I don't know, I don't so many, so many of them get into these really terrible roles that I, I don't know. I, I don't know what their best work would be. 
Stephanie hates fun. I, Moving on. I, yes. Yeah, exactly. I, I like the fact it, that Harlan uses Windows XP <laughs> in the year of our Lord 2019. <laughs> he's um, an old man. He's an old man. He uses an outdated operating system. I work in the Makes tech sector. Sense. I thought it was funny. Yes. Um, like he he keeps I, turning around his computer, his laptop to show photos to people, and it's Windows XP. And I I don't know. I think it's funny. <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah, I like it. I'm still shocked that we actually moved on after I said that. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel bad. No, no, no. It's, I I just genuinely couldn't think of any actors. I yeah. I, or any that I would really want. Like, I think it would be funny if you took some, like, non-comedy actors and make made them do, like, funny roles. I don't know. I, I like stuff like that. I don't know. Daniel Day-Lewis <laughs> in Clue. Yeah, please. <laughs> be like, all right, you want a really method act? Here, play this crazy butler or something. Like, I don't know. Um, anyway. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield has a great line where he says, man practically lives in a Clue board about Harlan I mean, Thrombey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly wish um, Lakeith Stanfield had more to do in this movie. All right, like he is my man is fashion forward. His coat mm, is fly. He has a really nice coat. You're right. Dress exactly. Is so sharp. Uh, yeah, and it's. I feel like I wish that his character had a little more to do because he's mostly there to be the skeptic yes, to exactly. To Blanc. That's his entire role. Um, and I know he can do more than that. Yep. But but I did uh, like what he did with it. Yes. Like, he didn't have a lot to do, but the other investigator had even less to the point yeah. of I wonder why they were in the movie. <laughs> yeah, he was he was there to nerd out. I, I Forgive me for saying this. I love you, Ryan Johnson, but that guy's there because he's Ryan Johnson's friend. <laughs> I, I, don't re- I don't remember the guy's name, but I know they're friends. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, I, mean, I enjoy, like, I enjoy him... When he's on screen, he just has nothing no, no, yeah. to do there. Yep. The movie would have been the same without him, but he doesn't take anything away no, from the movie. No, that's true. It doesn't hurt the movie. Um, no. While we're talking about uh, very small roles in the movie, I do have to say uh, I love Ricky Lindholm. She plays uh, Donna Thromby. Yes. Uh, oh, the old If you have not listened to Garfunkel and Oates, have a field day. Oh, not the old lady. <laughs> no, not the old lady. She's the blonde. Oh my god, she's the chick from Garfunkel and Oates. Yes. Holy shit. I, okay, I don't, I haven't seen that much of their stuff, but I knew I recognized her from something. Yes. That's insane. Oh my god. She's the, she, she's the girl from, uh, um. Uh, Joss Whedon's, uh, Much Do About Nothing. Was she in Much Do About Nothing? Yeah, she played the one freaking. It, not one of the sisters or cousins. They're cousins. Not one of the two main girls, but the other girl who's in league with the bad guy. I I don't know. Beyond that, I get nothing. She pops up in a lot of stuff. So does Kate Bakuchi, and I I adore both of them. Uh, if you don't have any hangups about jokes about religion and anal sex, right. listen to the loop. I was I, I was just about to say she's yeah. the girl from Fuck Me in the Ass because I love Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> We can move on from there. Love her. Um, <laughs> I, okay, we referenced this earlier. I think um, Marta vomiting when she lies is a fantastic plot concept. Like, yes. the way that that influences character and interactions and revelations, it's it, it's the gift that keeps on giving. It's like an anti-superpower. It, it, and it is used... 
Right. It's used in a, a way that that really moves the plot and that is yeah. used very effectively. The, the first time it comes up, she gives up the truth two or three times before yeah. she asks to mm-hmm. leave the room. Um, and she she is Im- she is so important to Benoit Blanc's uh, process because she is confirming all of his suspicions. Mm-hmm. No one else can. Right, and it kind of forces uh, them together because she's like a human lie detector, so it gives the movie a reason to put to to have them work together and have her be involved in the story. When she ends up vomiting on Ransom, that is You're one gone. of the most kick-ass moments. I love it. In cinema. She held that shit so for a good. long time. Like, that's that's like uh, me in college when I, like, got completely shit-faced the night before and had to go to choir practice, and I'm just standing there, like, <laughs> completely holding that shit in oh until the God. moment I leave, and then I just collapse. Um, <laughs> and we understand. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure Justin and I have I totally relate to that. Like, and I love that moment, too, because it's at the end, she's like... She has fully outsmarted him. Like, she knows exactly what she's doing. Like, um, and she's finally beaten him at his own game. And and she was able to keep control of herself that long. You know what? Thank you, Stephanie, for using that phrase. Mm. Let's talk about one of the most important themes of this movie. Marta, about two-thirds of the way through the movie, was declared the sole recipient of Harlan Thrombey's entire inheritance. His, His cash... uh. Uh, the house assets the the house the 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 company yes everything goes to marta okay so when it is first revealed when we get that scene with marta and harlan when she thinks she mixed up the drugs um they're playing go which is a japanese board game and she beats him a lot and she says because i'm not playing to beat you i'm playing to make a pretty pattern so she says so she is declaring she plays the game her own way and in the end after everything was was resolved benoit blanc tells her that she won not because she played their game or their way but because Mm -hmm. she played her way Mm -hmm. so like she beats harlan at go because she plays her way and she came out on top at the end of this investigation because she had a good heart and she reacted her way Right. Like, um, things just, things weren't just a game to her, like they were right. like, to a lot of the people around her. Like, she she brings the really human element of it, which is what is needed here. Yes. Uh, well, I mean, even, um, I'm, I'm assuming we're just blowing past traditional uh, plot synopsis, because we kind of <laughs> let that go a while ago. Uh, when it's revealed that the only reason Ransom's plot didn't work is because she tried to save Fran. Yep. A huge, huge character moment just really goes to show you how kind-hearted Marta is that, like, even though it's revealed that Fran didn't survive, uh, she had a chance because Marta was willing to give up everything uh, to save this person, and Ransom right. wasn't counting on that. So yes. Marta comes out ahead because she is truly a decent person, and no one else in the movie, save for maybe Benoit Blanc, is a good person. Right, that's what's so great about it, is that, like, it, it's, like, 
for a movie that's about everyone kind of angling for their own ends, like, it has such a, a nice, I don't know, concluding message, I guess, is that, you know, like, this kind of affirming, if implausible, theory that, you know, being a good person can actually bring you out on top, you know, can actually help you in the long run, <laughs> crazy as it it's seems. It's kind of nice to have a story about that that also doesn't feel like constant work ethic-y that like you no. know yeah. people who are rich are rich because they're good and they deserve it etc no if anything it, it's the inverse of that it's that like she she comes out on top of all these rich people you know because she actually has morals and because she is true to herself yeah. and to 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 her to being a good person it right and it feels like it's nice that that is allowed to happen. Yeah. I don't know. I generally, when talking about stories, I try to think of things in those terms because it's not so much about what's realistic. It's about what the story allows to happen. Um, because within a story, anything can happen. You know, it might be in real life. It's very unlikely that a, a, a poor person with an undocumented family who is good at heart will be able to succeed because of those things. But you know, a story can allow that to happen and what is allowed to happen, what, you know, <laughs> what okay, do I say? Sweetie. Yes. You know what I mean? Like that, <laughs> I don't know. It's nice. It, it feels very hopeful. Yeah. Um, yes. and I, that's another thing I like about the movie is that it could have felt very cynical, I think. And it does kind of tread that line a little bit with how much it, you know, kind of lampoons the family, but it doesn't ever feel like mean spirited, I guess it would say. Like, even at the end, it's kind of like they've been humiliated as they should, but there's kind of the implication that she will still help them because she's the bigger person by far. Um, so I, yeah, it does, it's not so much that it like takes joy in their misery. It's more that it's just like, you know what, this will, I think this is the best thing that could have happened to yes, you. Yes, like Carlin says. <laughs> right. The, right. The fact that the last interaction between Marta and the family happens in silence. Yes. Uh, right. With her on the balcony with the coffee yep. cup. Just says so much without saying a single word, and oh my god, <laughs> is it good filmmaking? Poetic cinema. <laughs> no, it's great. the The blocking, like you know, the editing. It right, not a single line, but just like the the positions, like yes, the, the <laughs> raising the coffee Slowly cup, and you around. just get the. The brief glimpse of my house, my rules. Yep, like. <laughs> her drinking from Harlan's coffee cup. <laughs> it's incredible. It's, it's great. I love it. I have two more details that I wanted to point out, if I may. You may. Um, okay. So, Marta receives an email telling her the address she needs to go to to meet with her supposed blackmailer. And it comes from an address at Proton Mail. Um, I googled that Proton Mail is a secure, encrypted, anonymous email service. So Ooh, that tracks. Good research. Yes. Mm. Also, um, early, early in the movie, uh, the, when we see what actually happened to Harlan, Harlan says that um, Ransom wouldn't know a prop knife from a real knife. Mm, yep. And in the end, <laughs> at the climax of the movie, the reason he is uh, he doesn't murder Marta. 
is because he was unable to tell a real knife from a prop knife. Chekhov's knife, if you will. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's interesting. I I was thinking, like, even as we were talking earlier, I made a couple notes because I was thinking about uh, Ransom and Marta, like, as characters and kind of what they symbolize. It's like they symbolize sort of like the splitting of the legacy almost, like, like um, Ransom... Uh, represents the family, you know, like, even though he's at odds with his family, he kind of represents that, like, sort of sociopathic entitled legacy, and, um, Marta represents the opposite of that, obviously, and, um, um, so at the end, it's like, before he died, you know, Harlan was saying how he wished he could, like, fix it before he, before he went, you know, and in a way, that's exactly what he did in deciding to give the inheritance to Marta instead of, you know, to his family and to Ransom specifically. It's like um, he was choosing to divert that path at the 11th hour. Like he saw where it was going and he he chose to change the ending, mm-hmm. um, you know, and uh, I don't know. I thought that was cool. Like especially at the very end, you know, when Ransom kind of goes mask off and is just like, we gave you everything. And, um, but she still beats him. I don't know. I, I thought that was cool, especially because it's like, you know, even with, with Harlan, like it's kind of implied that, you know, as much of a likable character as he is, it's kind of implied that maybe he wasn't the best father, yeah. you know, and that... You had to find a game to play with him to connect Exactly. With him. Like, that was a very telling line, which I thought was interesting. It really made him into a very fascinating mm. kind of three-dimensional character. Right. Like, there, there's that almost sort of, like, you sense a tiny bit of pain behind Linda's line yes. there. And this is a character who obviously does not show vulnerability. Right. Hardly ever, but, and she says that, like, you know, with Dad, you always had to find a game to play. Which, speaking of that line, there are so many clues dropped throughout this movie that if you are paying attention, you may not be able to figure it out completely, but you'll be able to pick up on so much. Like, with the dogs, when they say the dogs bark, the dogs are a good judge of character, and then the first time Ransom shows up in person, the dogs Mm. are barking at him, Mm -hmm. etc., etc. There are so many clues dropped throughout the runtime of this movie. It's so satisfying. Yep, and and it all comes together. Yep, absolutely. Um, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) anyway, all that is... is, um, It's a good movie. Um, Shall we move on to the... Probably a fairly short comparison portion. Um, yeah, yeah, let's go ahead and do it. Alright, uh, well... Uh, people die. They both take place in a big house on the hill, and they both have two German shepherds. Yeah, the dogs <laughs> thing felt like an homage. Right, sure. so we were... Stephanie and I were like, "Is are the two German shepherds in Knives Out an homage to Clue? But then we were like, it's probably an, an homage, homage to, to a murder mystery like, that, that we haven't both, seen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, they were... It's probably a big genre trope. Right, like, there were probably two German Shepherds, and and then there were none, but we don't know. (laughs) We've never seen or read and then there were none. Right, (laughs) exactly. Like, a lot of these things feel like staples of the genre, probably, that we just aren't familiar with. I mean, I know the big mansion in a relatively isolated location is one, for sure. Um, But, but yeah, in that way, they both definitely feel like... Well, Clue feels a little more like a send-up, and Knives Out feels a little more like an actual homage. Yeah. 
Yes. Um, because it Knives Out doesn't really ever take on the form of parody in that even right. though it is funny and irreverent, it doesn't seem as if it's making fun of the genre so much as it's making fun of a, diff- uh, a particular type of person yeah. or class of people, I suppose I should say. Um, and so it feels more like... Like, I don't know, it's it's playing around with the tropes, uh, but with the intention of saying something slightly different. Um, I don't know. It, it uh, The joke, I guess, is not on the genre so much as... Um, I don't know. As it's kind of a class narrative, I guess. Yeah, and it... it you're right, it is more of a class narrative and not a... It, it's not poking fun at a specific, like, even political set because it all it says that everyone right. on either side can fall victim mm-hmm. to, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, even uh, Joni and Meg, who are, yes. you know, the, the woke white ladies. Um, the SJW degree. Yeah, exactly. Like, even with them, you kind of see how... Like, they're not as terrible as some of the other ones, but for them, even them, it's still going to come back to the money. You know, it's still going to come back to protecting their status. Whereas Knives Out is like, I don't know, LOL. Clue. uh, Yeah, Clue is like, LOL, gays and communists. I don't... (laughs) (laughs) Well, but also Clue feels like it's trying much more to be just a comedy. Right, obviously Clue is not trying to be a quote-unquote Right, it's not trying to, like, say stuff. Right. And the the big difference between the two is Clue is making every joke it can about, like, oh, boy, isn't this aspect of this genre kind of stupid? Knives Out is, like, all of the humor is coming from the characters, who they are, and what they believe. Yeah. It's not necessarily taking the genre to task. Right. It's almost like the trappings of genre are a way of telling the story, not so much that the story is about the genre. Hmm. Right. Oh. So. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Which is an interesting hmm. way of doing this kind of homage, for sure. <laughs> Um, yeah. Any other thoughts, guys? I have no thoughts. My head is empty. (laughs) Uh, just closing thoughts on Knives Out. If you haven't seen it yet, uh, watch it on Amazon Prime. If you don't have Amazon Prime, get the free trial and cancel it. Please have a bite. Please Uh, do. It's so delicious and so darn good looking. (laughs) It's... It is an amazing movie. The minute I walked out of the theater, it went on the Justin's Comfy Pants <laughs> movie it's list. It's definitely on a Comfy Pants movie. Like honestly, uh, it's comforting for me to watch just because I love the house so much. Like I'm just uh, like the set design. I know I'm watching the the house every chance I get, and I'm like, mm, such a cozy yet large and mysterious New England mansion. Like I don't know, I love it <laughs> so much. It's great. And the, you know, the grounds are beautiful, and, I don't know, the actors are beautiful, just everything's great. <laughs> good movie is good. Yes. Um, Clue, great movie for playing a drinking game. Knives Out, great movie if you like movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Perfect summary. Yeah. All right. Uh, any it? other thoughts, guys? As my grandfather would say, are you out of words? <laughs> I will never be out of words, Caleb. 
Okay, well, if yeah, you Yeah, no, I said what I need to say. <laughs> <laughs> I will not give you one red die more of my opinion. Oh, single okay, I wanted red to, die. I wanted to circle back to Mike Sh- Michael Shannon. Apparently, <laughs> he improvised Shannon. a lot of that scene. Oh my okay, god. Okay. So, um Chris Evans brought the the cookies. They were not part of the script. <laughs> And Michael Shannon improvised a so much of that scene, like the "I will not eat one iota of shit" or the um, so uh, you better hope that like Harlan left you a glass of milk to go with those cookies. All improvised by Michael Shannon. Apparently, the dude is hilarious. Love it. Okay, that was my final thought. My name is Caleb, and uh, you can find me on Twitter. And letterboxed at actual underscore Caleb. My name is Stephanie, and you can find me on Twitter at Steph has no name and on letterboxed at raise left boob. My name's Justin. You can find me on basically all social media at blame it on Butler, and you can find the show on Twitter at sounds familiar. Hell yeah, brother. Thanks for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to us rambling. Uh, <laughs> yeah, hopefully, because otherwise I don't know why the hell they'd be listening to this. Yeah, why are you still here? Go listen to a different podcast. <laughs> yeah. Actually, don't do May that. May your days be bright and your murders be silly. Yeah. Amen. Good night, everybody. Peace. Love ya.